Is there any significance at all to the order? What's your take on it? I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back to Reason Together, the podcast for Christians who think about stuff. I'm Thomas here with Daniel again. Good morning. As always. Yes. Good morning. (laughs) How are we doing this morning? Pretty good. Pretty good. And uh, we want to, as we get uh, jumping in here, we want to thank our patrons over at patreon.com slash reason together. And uh, just uh, we're praying before the episode and uh, just telling the Lord that I am blessed and touched by each one uh, and collectively how how they've jumped in to support this podcast. And if you're um, you're interested or you say, well, I, you know, I really like this podcast and I'd, I'd like to support it, it could even just be for $1 or $2 per episode. Uh, just go on to patreon.com slash reason together and uh, sign up there. Certain bonuses with various tiers, you can read up on that. But pat- patrons, as we begin, we just want to say thank you. Yes, we appreciate you guys. Um, <clears throat> did you know that we had a gross episode? Uh, I, I heard, I heard, I and mm-hmm. I kind of, it caught me off guard maybe a little bit to hear that we got some feedback on a gross episode yes. that we had had. Someone, yeah. someone, yeah, someone sent in an email to us and said that episode 144, which was two episodes ago by this point, they said our episode 144, you know, 144, uh-huh. they said yeah. it was gross. Wow. Gross episode. Like, like yeah. in a dozen dozen in fact, gross. Right. Yeah. A dozen dozen gross. Oh, you, you spoiled my joke. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> no, it's okay. Actually, it's Herman's joke. This was sent in by Herman. <laughs> I know Herman. Yeah. Thank you, <laughs> Herman. Thank you, Herman. He we says, accounted uh, it as an insult from anyone else, but that's not right. from you. Well, I'm, I'm, more, I'm more ashamed than anything that both of us knuckleheaded, dad jokey kind of guys missed it. Uh, on the episode itself. <laughs> That's true. Now, I, I admit it, man, I'm not totally on my game this morning, but you're like, you get it? Yeah. No. <laughs> not like, yeah. <laughs> well, it's like, I, I can't remember which one of us introed the episode, but we usually <laughs> say something, you know, welcome back to another episode. And occasionally I'll say the episode number in there. And I just didn't even think about the fact that <laughs> 144 that episode right. is, is a gross yeah. and, and right. I missed a dad joke opportunity. And now I feel shame. Um, but that is what, that is what Herman said. He said, I just finished your gross episode and I'm disappointed that neither (laughs) of you dads made reference to how gross it was. Anyway, congratulations on another thoughtful episode. And that's from, from Herman. So, uh, Herman gets the, the dad joke props for today, um, (laughs) for, for nailing that when we didn't. So, (laughs) oops. (laughs) <laughs> Let's see. Before we go any further, actually, are there any dad jokes that can be made about episode 146? No, no I, I don't think no. so. I'm coming up dry. I'm coming up dry. If you can think of one out there, send us send us your dad joke for episode 146. Or they're thinking or anything. That, yeah, maybe our humor always ends up dry. Actually, yeah. But yeah, just just send in a dad joke. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Do maybe we could share some dad jokes. <laughs> there we go. Um, all right, well, let's, uh, <laughs> let's go ahead and move on to, okay. uh, some actual content here. Yeah. <laughs> well, I wanted to make, um, an exciting announcement as we started. Oh. I, I was really, okay. uh, 
you know, I was, I don't know what you're talking about here. So yeah, no, I was, I was kind of, I kind of pumped here. It was now, now the time has slipped by maybe it's been a month ago, but we received an email that uh, told us about the ranking of our podcast. And it told us (laughs) that recent together, if I remember correctly, had Mm -hmm. reached number six. Yes. In Micronesia. Yes. (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) and so I, I had to get, I, that yeah, I I got a I was tickled by that. Um, that yeah. you know, thank you uh, to our listeners in Micronesia for making that possible. Um, yes, although I think it was uh, was the category like Christian podcasts only, or was it like all podcasts? Were you the top? Oh, six good question. One? Yeah, I'm not for remember. sure. Uh, but, I'm sure uh, we beat out it, the rock stations. It would. Um, yeah. It, but then well, it was it was a little. Thank deflating. you to both of you. Thank you yeah. to both of you Micronesians <laughs> out there. For that, listening to uh, a few episodes. have ranked our podcast so highly. I was a little deflated though when like a week later we got another email and we were demoted like 14th. <laughs> 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 we didn't stand top 10 very long, but. Uh, but that's probably my fault. It's probably a small something island isn't. chain. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but hey, thank you. Thank you. Just so you know, we were number six. <clears throat> that's right. In my number six. To, to forget where, just kind of put that out of your mind. That's just right, just the number. Six. Yep. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that being said, uh, why don't we jump yep. into some um, uh, some right. topic ideas here? Sure. Um, there are two things that are kind of related here. I'll begin with what I think might be the shorter one. <clears throat> okay. And this okay. is a question from one of our patrons. This is from Nathan. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is a question about prophecy limits. Hmm. And uh, he says, hey, I've got a question that I'm not sure if you would have touched on before or not. It seems like you had a conversation once on the purpose of prophecy, which would be a similar question. In the meantime, here's my question if you think it warrants a new discussion. At this time of year, we talk about the prophecies of the Messiah in the Old Testament. By the way, this was sent back like Christmas. Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're a little backlogged, but... Um, he says here, uh, we talk a lot about prophecies of the Messiah in the Old Testament and how Christ's coming at the first Christmas and his subsequent life on earth fulfilled so many prophecies. But as we look at what the Old Testament had to say, it seems that there were many things about Christ's coming that would have been very difficult to foresee or to know in advance exactly how things would transpire. Sure. Mm-hmm. For example, I think probably very few people would have thought that the Messiah would actually come to earth more than once, once to live and die, and then again later to reign. <clears throat> uh, that's correct. Right. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. they, they just knew he was the king and they were waiting for uh, him to come and save their nation. And even though Isaiah talked about Jesus' afflictions, Almost no one seems to have expected the Messiah to die. In retrospect, Mm -hmm. all of the prophecies fall into place to show that Jesus is the Messiah, but it would seem that many of the prophecies would have been exceedingly difficult to comprehend until after their fulfillment. Mm -hmm. Um, I would add to this also that even to this day, many Jews believe that it was never prophesied that the Messiah would be God incarnate. Now, now we of course know that there are hmm. prophecies in Isaiah, particularly that speak sure. of him being well, yeah. uh, the mighty God, right? But um, those those are often missed by people. Wow. So the idea that God Himself would come in the flesh and be the Messiah was not in view for many of them, uh, and they would have viewed that as even being somewhat sacrilegious. Um, <clears throat> 
so so yeah there 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 was a lot that that people missed uh, about about his coming um so he says my my question is concerning what the bible says about events that are still coming obviously much space is given to telling about the events of the end times in the new testament mm-hmm there is an amazing amount of information in the book of Revelation, the epistles to the Thessalonians, etc., concerning events that have not yet transpired. Many scholars have studied very carefully these passages in order to know exactly what is coming next. But my question is whether our perception of the end times events may be limited in the same way that the Old Testament saints were limited. That is, could it be possible that no matter how hard we study to determine exactly what the end times will look like, there may be a whole range of future events coming that wasn't even understandable or present in the book of Revelation. This uh, is a very good l- question. Yeah, it is. That's a good observation. And in large part, uh, I would agree. I would say yes. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, just imagine how many details are in any event or, or in life itself. And so basically what you're getting is kind of a, a if you will, a rough outline. Um, you're you're mm-hmm. getting a skeletal structure of things that are going to happen. And you do have somewhat of a timeline, but the way those things flesh out, like, in fact, my, um, um, let's see, what is she, uh, 10, I guess my 10-year-old was asking me just about a week ago <laughs> these different questions, and one was something to do with the Antichrist. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, and, and and the question, something similar to how, where's, is he actually born of a woman? You know, is he, is, I mean, like, how does he rise to power? Does everybody know that he's the Antichrist? At what point does, does, does he just walk on the scene um, like Jesus did? And certain people go, oh, that's him. Or, or does he have to, you know, does he basically finagle into power and declare himself that, you know, I mean, there's just, there's mm-hmm. so many details. How will he become that way? How, who? Yeah. How will he make this? And it, so we we know of we know of wars, we know of a general timeline, we you know things like that. But there's a lot. And the one passage that came to my mind was First um, Peter one ten eleven um, twelve. It says, "Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace uh, that should come unto you." searching what or what manner of time the spirit of Christ, which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand, the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. So there's even a part of what they wrote, they didn't understand. So they're actually Mm -hmm. in in some sense, studying their own writings, recognizing that they're being, you know, born along by the Holy spirit um, and they don't understand. And so they're, um, uh, you know, studying to try to try to discern what what are these things meaning? Um, And so, yeah, certainly there would be, uh, I would say room for uh, details that we, which we're unaware. Sure. Well, I mean, and think about this too. How would that affect our preaching on prophecy, particularly? Because mm. um, I mean, for me, I've actually changed a little bit on this um, over the years because mm. I, I actually started preaching through prophecy a number of years ago, and I think we did like a year and a half or two years um, regarding prophecy in one of our services. And the conclusion I came to after that was, um, but there's a lot, we're just not going to know what it looks like until it happens. (laughs) Uh Yeah. And it's almost like the more I studied it, the more I, I thought, boy, you know, I think, I think the description of here just needs to be kept general. Um, and, and I'm not Mm going to try and Mm -hmm. connect it to anything more specific. And, uh, and that's, I guess, true with a lot of things. It seems the more you study it, the more, you know, 
kind of uh, humbled you, you realize, feel by it. Yeah, the more you realize you don't know. Yeah, the more you realize you don't know. And it's like yeah. that with a lot of scriptural subjects, but uh, prophecy in particular, I think there's a lot that we just aren't going to know how it's going to be until it happens. And and sometimes even people's uh, timeline now, you know, like, ooh, what's going to happen next? And the red heifer and the this and the that and whatever. Oh, no, we're just looking for the rapture. Mm-hmm. You know, a pastor uh, was preaching here in the last few years, and it brought to mind something that I had never quite realized that, um, yes, while the rapture is, we say, the next thing essentially on the timeline, yet there may be some major world changes prior to the rapture. Um, yes. You know, if, if a one world government is going to be necessary to usher those things in, well, America's not going to be a superpower anymore. And we may begin to see the, the, the you know, the crumbling and the collapse of our, uh, our right. governmental system as we know it prior to the rapture. You know, now sure. we don't know that. We don't right. know to what degree, but. Yeah. And I think a lot of folks, you know, they tend to think they look at prophecy as being very crisp as far yeah, as. Not- you know, this happens and then the exact next day this happens. And then after the, the so many months yeah. that it's supposed to be, then after that's over, then exactly that happens then. And uh, I don't think it's quite that crisp all the time. And and I, I don't think that it's impossible for the world to be setting up some things to mm-hmm. condition people to what the Antichrist will later do. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's like, like you see this like antichrist mass figure, or whatever mass formation psychosis. <laughs> there it is. Oh, yes. I forgot the second word. Yeah, classical conditioning of human beings and and other things like that that are preparing people for things that the antichrist will do. Because I mean, it's I mean, yeah, he's going to be satanically energized, but think about all the people he has to to fool in a way hmm. to get them to buy into the lie, right, uh, and the delusion. Uh, involved in, in in this world peace and this initiative for for everyone joining hands in the world, one world government and so on. You know, how do you condition people to do that, you know, and not have that one day and then have it the next? I don't mm-hmm, think you can. Mm-hmm. I think there's going to be conditioning of the world to the circumstances of the tribulation before the tribulation ever happens. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> go ahead. That, that kind of leads us into the next article, which is directly related to what we're talking about here, uh, okay. unless you had another observation before that. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead with the flow there. Okay. So this is an article um, from Thomas Strauss, and it's I found it very fascinating. Um, I, think, I think there's a couple things that may be a reach, but uh, you know, I think for the most part, it's, it's a fascinating and, and relevant article to what we're talking mm. about here. Okay. And it's, uh, the title of it is the satanic use of blurs day. <clears throat> blurs day. Blurs okay. day. Have you heard this term? Prior to this article, which I didn't get very far into, I had not really heard of blurs day. No, I hadn't either. This was my introduction to the word here. It was with <laughs> this article. Um, and, uh, he says this, a new word in 2020 is blurs day or the difficulty in determining what day of the week it is. Before the worldwide COVID-19 pandemic, the corporate slash employment work schedule was fixed around the standard hours of nine to five, Monday through Friday, uh, with weekends off. Of course, certain industries, because of their very, na- their very nature, deviated from this standard. Um, I'm thinking probably like, like healthcare, <laughs> right? And 
other things yeah. where people have to right. work at all hours. Right. Um, <clears throat> however, with multi- multitudes either out of work or working remotely at home during the pandemic, days seem to blend into one long, unbroken stream of time with little sure. differentiation other than periods of sleeping or being awake. Um, <clears throat> the seven-day cycle of days and weeks became one blur of time. So without reading the whole thing, um, kind of where he's going with this is he's trying to draw a relationship between people becoming conditioned to to not notice the passing of time like they used to, hmm. to basically yeah. have a fluid schedule. He's trying to draw a relationship between people being conditioned in that way to the tribulation period uh, where the Antichrist is uh, is present. Um, <clears throat> and the way he does this, um, he says here, the significance of this, the seven-day week and monthly schedule that most of the world has observed for 2,000 years is based on the absolute truth of divine revelation revealed by Jehovah God in the Judeo-Christian scriptures. <clears throat> um, mm-hmm. He says, the Lord declared saying, uh, and then he references here uh, several passages in Genesis, uh, in mm-hmm. which we see the uh, the light divided from the darkness and the day and the night and the days and the years and so on, uh, based on a seven-day week. Yes, creation week. Mm-hmm. Yes, the creation week. Um, he says, uh, he references Genesis 7-11, Genesis 1-14, and uh, 2, 1 through 2. Uh, he says, two of the three most hated groups in the world today are the Jews and the Christians. <laughs> He says the other being the unvaccinated. Uh, Truth. (laughs) Uh truth. Um, The world is not interested in perpetuating the days of Saturday, Sunday worship, but instead is diametrically opposed. Jews worship on the Sunday Sabbath, but Christians worship, uh, uh, or Saturday Sabbath, but Christians worship on Sunday, the first day of the week, which commemorates the resurrection of Christ. And he gives several scriptural uh, proofs here. Uh, of that being on the first day of the week, and that then being the reason why uh, church was held on the first day of the week. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> he he goes on a little further. Um, let's see here. I don't know. I want to read the whole thing here for sake of time. Um, so Blur's Day isn't speaking of a specific day. Blur's Day is just sort of a way of describing that there really is just a blur amongst days anymore anyway. Correct. Uh, yeah, and and the just... way I'm the way I'm paraphrasing what he's saying is conditioning. People mm-hmm. are being mm-hmm. conditioned mm-hmm. to have times changed. Not right? just just that it it just happened and that's that's the result of what happened with COVID, but it was intentional conditioning or 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 just that they are being well, conditioned. I I don't I'm I'm trying to see if he indicates intentionality here in this conditioning. I I don't no, they are he, being conditioned regardless. They are being conditioned yeah. regardless is the okay. point. Um, yeah. It sounds kind of, you know, conspiratorial and weird to try and point to, you know, some yes, you know, right. That's world true. leader That's and true. say they're trying to condition us to to not notice the calendar days passing anymore. Right, uh, right. I think that's a bit of a reach, but I don't think that's what he's saying. Yeah. Um, but he does relate it to prophecy. And, okay. and this is where it, it kind of the rubber meets the road. Mm-hmm. Um He says, Daniel prophesied in Aramaic about the nefarious actions of the Antichrist, saying, and he shall speak great words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High and think to change times and laws. 
and they shall be given into his hand until a time and times and the dividing of time. That's Daniel 7.25. So the phrase there emphasized is that the Antichrist will think to change times and laws. Um, Now, Strauss goes on here. The scriptures reveal that the seven-year tribulation uh, in Daniel 9 will be organized around two units of 42 months. Okay. This is where Mm -hmm. people often glaze over because math becomes involved. Um, But, you know, we're looking at a seven-year tribulation here broken down into two units of 42 months. Or, here's another way to look at it, he says, uh, 1,260 days each. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, I hope everyone's tracking with that so far. Um, and, And this is a reference, of course, to Revelation chapter 11, verses 2 and 3. Uh, where these exact units are given 40 and two months here, Um, 42 months. Um, Strauss goes on to say, this numeric system is sexagesimal or having a base of six rather than the popular decimal system of a base of 10, for example. Um, this is where, this is yeah, where no, I, I get, a, <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't, I don't get lost here so much as, you know, I'm not a mathematician, but I did, I did look into this a little bit. Sexagesimal is, is based on 60, uh, not six. And, and I realized that, you know, 60 is divisible by six, but a sexagesimal system is a base 60, not a base six. And, and the difference here, and this is relevant, <laughs> this is relevant. I'm not just trying to, you know, be boring. Um, so like a, a system that would be base six, right? There, there would be no number higher than six to represent a value higher than six. So uh, like when you get above okay. six, you have to write six plus one. Um, uh, uh, compare that to when we get to 10 in our base 10 yes. system, right. we have to write a one and a one. So 11, right? Representing yes, yes. 10 plus one hmm. and then so mm-hmm. on. So uh, a base of, of six uh, may be relevant to the week that he's going to talk about here in a moment. Um, but, and, and I'm probably being pedantic here, but a base of 60 seems different yeah. because you can count all the way up to 60 before you have to, to, you know, basically now, Tom, restart your count and add something else. Yeah. You're not, you're not supposed to ask questions and look at the details. You're just supposed to just go, Oh, it's, oh. I know. <laughs> it's, it's always what gets me in trouble though. So. <laughs> no preacher is going to want to be your friend if you start asking. I know. Well, no, I, okay. I figured I had Just to kidding. ask. <clears throat> but okay. like, yeah, it, good. I good learned something interesting though in in reading about it. Um, that, for instance, the the entire calendar during the days of Daniel would have been based on an actual sexagesimal system, not not a base of six, but a base of sixty. Um, and, and this would have been for the recording of time. In fact, people think we use base 10 for everything nowadays. We don't actually, we still use a sexagesimal system for the counting of time, right? Uh, an hour is based on 60 minutes okay. and a minute mm-hmm. is based on 60 seconds and so on. And the reason for that is because, um, it is, uh, there are so many factors. So like, like you, you take the number 60, um, you can divide that by one, two, three, four, five, and six. Right. Um, there, and, and, mm. and all the way up, you know, there's, there's multiple factors involved, you know, uh, in, in 60. Right. And, mm-hmm. and the way they would have counted that, and, and there are people who can explain this better than me, by the way, but the way they would have counted that, um, in at least Daniel's day would have been, 
you can count that on on your hand, on one hand. <laughs> it's like, how do you count to 60 on one hand? Well, they would have used their thumb as kind of a pointer here, and they would have pointed at each of the bones on each finger, each of their other fingers. So like you have three phalanges uh, in, in your index finger, your middle finger, your ring finger, okay. and your pinky okay. finger, right? So they'd have counted like this, and and forgive me if you're just listening here. Uh, Daniel can see this, but but you can't. Anyway. Right. Try try to envision. I'm using my thumb, and I'm pointing at my first finger here, and I'm counting one, two, three. I'm counting all three of the bones yeah. in that first finger. Right. Yeah. Right. And then I move Your to my middle finger. finger four, yep. five, six, seven, yep. eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, and I've got so twelve. If you did five a piece. You're up at sixty. Yeah, and that's oh, where okay. the other hand comes in. The other hand, then I can count. Okay, I've done one unit of twelve. Right. Okay. On my other hand here. And then I count these phalanges again and I get another unit of 12 and I record that on my other hand. And I've got these five fingers I here to see. record five different units of 12, which would give me 60. Um, so that would have been a helpful reason for them to have this, this sexagesimal way of counting. But it would have also been interesting because it made their calendar based on a sexagesimal system. So the months as Daniel records them were based on a 30-day month. Like today we have days where or months where we have 31 days. Right. And then and occasionally February, <laughs> right? Right. Jumps right. in there. Um but if it, if you do the math, which I did a minute ago, I mean just quickly when you said 12, did you say 1260, 1260 days, 42 yeah. months, that's a, a average anyway of a 30-day month. It is. It's based yes. on a 30-day month. Um, so what they would have had to do in the ancient days is basically either, well, a lot, what a lot of them did is that at the end of every month, they would just have extra days. Um, uh, like, or no, I'm sorry, I, I said that wrong. They would have occasionally <laughs> like, like a month where there was a whole extra week. Oh. Yeah, added on there. <laughs> or they would do it where every four years or so, you'd just have an extra month. Um, you know, I'm, I'm speaking roughly here. I'm not speaking precisely, but th that they would have had to tag days on elsewhere. So what Daniel is recording for us is time based on a 30 day month. And that's what I think Strauss is getting at here is that during the tribulation period, the way that it's recorded for us in revelation, they've essentially gone back to a 30 day month. <clears throat> mm. Um, and, and my thought and was this, what's that? And how did they do that? Is that the question? I mean, like, not only yeah. how did they do that, but if they did it at all, um, or if mm. they will do it at all, because when Daniel's writing this, the month was based on 30 days from what I can gather. Mm. So is this, is, is what Daniel and then what revelation is telling us here, where it actually mentions 42 months and, 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 you know, 12 and 60 days, is that based on what the writer at the time knew about months mm. and days? Mm-hmm. And should we translate that in the tribulation period to our current system of counting days? No. No, I would take it literally. Right. I would too. Yeah. Um, but I mean, to finish the question, you know, or should we, should we just view that as an exact translation, not translation, but an exact um, replication, I should say, um, and and if we do, and 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 both of us agree that that should be taken literally, because that should be the default position is to take it literally. Yeah. <laughs> then somehow the Antichrist is going to have to 
change the calendar, right? He's going to have to change the times. And mm-hmm. that's what Daniel 7.25 was referencing there, that he would think to change times. And what Strauss is trying to do is he's trying to point out the possibility that this mess of this pandemic and the mess of the lockdowns, which were a huge mistake, has caused people to blur their days together and essentially conditioning them for a new way of viewing time. Does that make sense? Oh, I guess so. Um, Not that it, uh, I mean, I I guess my next thought is to say, well, does this serve any nefarious purpose of the Antichrist or just kind of brings us back into alignment with scriptural record? You know what I mean? Is is this help the Antichrist at all to uh, for us to change the calendar to 30 days? Well, I think it would make it easier for him to do. Yes. And I think uh-huh. I think that's the point of the article is that there is a form of conditioning that can take place before the tribulation period that makes the yeah. Antichrist's job easier then. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, I mean, is he just going to come on the scene one day and be like, hey, let's change the calendar? You know, most people are like, what? Why would what? we do that? But this is conditioning <laughs> right. people for a new way of living. And Strauss is essentially trying to say, this is the this is Satan's way of trying to erase Sunday. Hmm. Um, this is, this is a way of trying to get rid of the, the day of worship, because in order to do what the Antichrist does and appease, uh, Jews, professing Christians, Muslims, and all of these other groups of people, even seventh day Adventists, in order to appease all of them, you've got to get rid of Sunday. Because obviously they like Sabbath, a wide right. swath of them, as far as the Jewish people and the Seventh Day Adventists and things. Right, and the Antichrist is going to be a uniting figure that everyone's going to want to like and rally behind and, and come under his his rule. Well, how's he going to do that without taking Sunday off the calendar? And that's that's kind of the point of this article. Uh, where it becomes a little bit of a reach for me is all of the numerology that comes into it. I am not um, a numerology fan. I am not either. I think you, you can you can find ways to make numbers fit things. Um, so he goes on to say here, um, why would the Antichrist be interested in a six-day week and and why in, in eliminating Sunday? He says, every student of the Bible knows of the verse which states, uh, here is wisdom, let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is 603 score and six. Mm-hmm. 666. Um, yes. Which, let me check this real quick here. Um, yeah, see, 666, uh, is that, is that, I don't know, is it, that's not divisible by 60. And not divisible by 60 because that would be 11.1. 11.1, correct. But, but um, um, so, I but mean, it'd be certainly I, and, divisible I, by six. Yeah, and I, I realize I'm being technical here, but then he goes on. To say, of course, the number of man is six, and the number of perfection is seven. Uh, Scripture lays this foundation, indicating that Adam was created on the sixth day and had to toil six days in a week. The enemies of Jehovah, such as Nebuchadnezzar, had an image of 60 cubits high and six cubits deep with six musical instruments. And Goliath was six cubits and a handspan was six pieces uh, in a handspan uh, in height and six pieces of armor and a spearhead of 600 shekels of weight. I, 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 that's where I, you kind of lose me a little right, bit. Right, right, um, the, right. The numbers are descriptive of something. I don't think they're necessarily prescribing six as the number of man. Uh, mm-hmm. I think we're just seeing an interesting correlation. And, and you know, you can find numeric correlation almost anywhere to anything. Well, and you have to, you have to wonder 
yeah, for some of them, I, yeah, that's a different discussion, the numerology thing. But what mm-hmm. does number of man mean? You know, Adam was created yeah. on the sixth day, yeah, but he was perfect. He was in a perfect environment. You know, yeah. he was made a complete being. Is, is that a bad thing? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's the number of man. Uh, well, it seemed pretty right. good in the garden. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, but right. Anyway. Um, so he goes on here. Apparently, the Antichrist will change the week to six days to honor him and his number 666 and to eliminate the resurrection honoring day, Sunday. And, and I guess what bothers me more about the conclusion of the article is the dogmatism to which it's given. Um, yeah. You know, okay, I can see a correlation. I can see you're making a good point here. And I, I think it's a fair point to think that people can be conditioned before the tribulation to accept the changing of times. Um, but I don't think we can say we know that that's what's happening right now or that we no. know that it's going to be exactly that way. And this goes back to Nathan's question. Exactly. That's what I was thinking. You're mm-hmm. just, you're basically saying, you know, uh, as we see that, this could be a way that that could happen. It's yeah. not shocking at, at the longer we live to say, well, how is it that, um, you know, the, uh, the two witnesses are going to be killed and everyone in the world will see them or will see them rise. Right. And then we go, oh, we got television. We got like, we got instant access everywhere. You know, now in our generation, we go, oh, well, that makes sense. That could happen. Um, and the more, you know, so, so you see this blurs day. Oh, I see a social conditioning. People could change easier. Yeah, sure. That makes sense. But then to like start pinning it out, this is what's going to happen. This is going, well, okay. Um, it, without, again, a really sol- solid biblical case, uh, it's maybe just better to yeah. leave it more general there. Yeah. And he does make a good point also where he says uh, that keeping the time in the first three and a half years of the tribulation will be confusing. Um, and, and I think that's a fair point too, because if we move from 365 and a half day reckoning to 360 day reckoning during the tribulation, those mm-hmm. who are there during the tribulation may have a difficult time keeping track of time. Um, so mm-hmm. he mentions in Matthew 25 or 24, 15, when, when ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel, the prophet stand in the holy place. Uh, whoso readeth, let him understand. So essentially using an event to mark the midpoint of the tribulation. Mm. Um, so I think that's that's a fascinating thought. But his conclusion is is uh, goes on here, and it's, it's a short conclusion. The stages of Satan for the preparation of his reign seem to be materializing. Although there are no signs of the rapture of those in Christ and for the appearance of the tribulation and Antichrist, saints are indeed 2,000 years closer to the rapture than Paul. And realize that apostasy seems to have reached its crescendo with the worldwide pandemic and natural collusions. Um, I, I I would disagree with that. I think we have yet to see the worst. <laughs> yeah, I think it could get a lot worse than it is right now. <laughs> um, like a lot as far as apostasy goes, and just the vast number of people uh, becoming apostate who were professing Christians. I think it's going to get a lot worse than this. So I don't think we're at the crescendo. Uh, just yet, if I'm understanding his use of the word crescendo. Um, but he says, Satan has already crescendo tested- Crescendo meaning that it's uh, gradually getting larger, getting more. Not that it's at the peak, but it's okay. crescendoing, it's getting more. Yeah. Okay, so I'm picking it apart a little too much then. Um, uh, but he says, Satan has already tested Christians and knows that Sunday does not seem to be a reverenced and respected day for many believers to assemble. If the majority of worldwide believers are not committed to assembling on Sunday, why have Sunday on the calendar? 
it is this is the spirit of blur's day moving to blur's month as satan is preparing for his reign once he is divinely permitted with the absence of the indwelling holy spirit in the catching away of uh, this of saints uh scripture gives the pattern for biblical christians to observe for preaching services uh, and he references here acts 20 and verse 7 uh, to meet on the first day of the week <clears throat> um so yeah i thought it was a good article overall i thought it had good points um, I think uh, the dogmatism is a little heavy with some of the conclusions and the numerology mm. is a little bit uh, of a reach uh, in some ways, but uh, mm. interesting yeah, I th- thought though. I thought it was a good, good thought, good point. And I thought it would be thought provoking for our listeners and, and knowing our listeners and especially our patrons who we know uh, a little more closely, I, I know that they would think through something like this. This, this would pique their interest. So I figured. So I'd, maybe, maybe a question out of left field then would be, uh, okay, so if our government says we're going to change from a seven day week to a six day, when do we worship on the first day of the six day week? Or do we somehow fight for a seven day week since that's the biblical standard? Hmm. Well, I would say in the spirit of conservatism, <laughs> that we would fight to keep the seven day week <laughs> just off the top of my head. You know, yeah. I, I think that should be conserved. Um, you know, we, we might not have any, uh, say in, in the process, but, uh, <laughs> you know, at least we can, uh, you know, fight for it. But, you know, whatever happens in the tribulation though, I'm not, I'm not worried about, <laughs> um, it's, it's before that, that you yeah, know, concerns that, that's me. That's more the concern. You know, there, yeah. Just to be clear, I don't want our listeners to think we're talking about, oh, what are we going to do in the tribulation if the, the calendar is changed? Um, we, uh, we're not worried about that. <laughs> right. Cause we won't be here. Okay. Um, all right. So we... I think we've got time for one more. Yes. And by the way, I will try to link that article in the show notes. Um, okay. That way our listeners can read it themselves and see if, see if I'm thinking through that right. And, uh, you know, if we have any mathematicians out there that can give their <laughs> opinion of the sexagesimal system and its use in the article, I'd be curious to learn more about that. Um, so. Um, hmm. um, let's see. The only thing, maybe the, the easier, um, this has been kind of a heavy episode <laughs> and this maybe doesn't make it less heavy, but, um, somebody asked a question, um, about a passage in Ezekiel, which isn't really that we're not, we're not talking like something super heavy here. Here's, here's the text. Ezekiel fourteen fourteen says, though these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it. They should deliver but their own souls by their righteousness, saith the Lord God. And then a few verses later in verse 20, he uses that same list again. He says, though Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, as I live, saith the Lord God, they shall deliver neither son nor daughter. They shall but deliver their own souls by their righteousness. So he asks the question, he says, two times Job is listed after Noah and Daniel, which are in chronological order, meaning Noah came first in the Daniel. I've always read and thought of Job as being one of the oldest books in the Bible and chronologically between Noah and Daniel. Is this list chronological? Is it in order of righteousness, like an ascending list, like they're, they're more righteous as they go? Is it a descending list? Is it, is it some sort of list? Is there any significance at all to the order? What's your take on it? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, 
I, I realized that this was written under inspiration of the Holy Ghost, and I don't ever want to detract yes. from that. However, it was right. written by human hand. This was this was written by a person, and and God does appear to allow the style and personality of a writer to come through, even though the words are inspired of God. Um, they don't become robots. They still write with their own personal style. Mm -hmm. And I, I know for me, when I write things in a list, sometimes, especially names, there's a certain meter, a certain, uh, a certain, uh, not what's the word I'm looking for a certain, yeah, meter, I guess is the right Yeah, word. meter. Yeah. It's a good way of putting it. Mm -hmm. That sounds more appropriate and less clunky. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think the meter sounds good. Noah, Daniel, and Job. Job is a single syllable there. Right. <laughs> um, it, it just right. sounds we're, appropriate. We're, we're, yeah. I'm reading it with English a Western all. mind. Yeah. Right. Although it's but, similar. Yeah. yeah. But it sounds um, fitting to me to have them in that order. So it could have been a stylistic thing. I don't know. Okay. Which doesn't, um, to me, I would, I would say being inspired, it certainly, uh, there, there is significance, um, sure to word order though we may not know what it is, but, but I think you throw out a suggestion there of style uh, as possibility. I, I would, uh, mention this now what it's funny because what he notices is that Job comes last in the list. Um, but if you remember that Ezekiel is a contemporary of Daniel, um, I find it fascinating as I think about this, and I bounce this off of a, a, a professor, friend, mentor, um, who, you know, suggested this. Now, there may be more upon, you know, you're really trying to analyze and study and meditate on it. But um, it could have been, uh, a, a, in essence, a validation of the righteousness of Daniel that Ezekiel is highlighting Daniel as a righteous man. He's in a, he's in a pagan Babylonian culture, you know, and he's standing out as this great light for the Lord and his powerful influence. And Noah, uh, indisputably righteous man, you know, of all the men of the, of the earth, you know, of the pre-flood earth, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Job, very obviously a righteous man, even beyond the knowledge of his friends, to where God holds Job up to Satan, says, hey, have you considered this guy here? So so sandwiching Daniel between these two men uh, is really quite a compliment. I mean, it's, it's just a, a phenomenal statement of the righteousness of Daniel to- I don't understand. Any, to like, any of his- Go ahead. I, I mean, I, I guess you're saying, well, you could- just added him. I guess you might be thinking, well, you could just add him to the list. But I mean, if, I mean, why not? I mean, if, if he really wants to pay Daniel the compliment, why wouldn't he put him first? Why is sandwiching him a better compliment than putting him first? I, I don't get it. Yeah. To me, it could seem a little bit more like an addition if you sort of, um, you know, mention him than a couple other guys or a couple other guys than him, but to put them in, in between is, is, is very intentional. Um, in the text. I, I, yeah, I don't know that I can, I can say it much better than that, but yeah, I just, I don't know that. I don't know why. Me, I mean, I guess I'm just wondering why, why is putting him in the middle somehow mm -hmm. textually more significant than putting him first? Yeah. And I don't know that I can understand, uh, explain that a whole lot. It is interesting how, um, as you study, sometimes you do see how they'll, uh, what we call bracketing, they'll bracket certain phrases and certain words to sort of add an emphasis uh, yeah. in a sentence structure. Now, I'm not saying that's for sure what's going on here. Um, but in essence, it is, you know, could be, you know, in a, in a sense, bracketing Daniel's name in the yeah. middle. But, so, um, 
Uh, but I just think even regardless of the order to realize that Ezekiel, a contemporary of Daniel, was highlighting him in his writings, in in Ezekiel's writings, he's referring to Daniel uh, as this, you know, extraordinarily righteous man on on a par with Noah and Job, you know. Yeah, I don't know. It still seems just as much supposition as what I had said. Um, it, It doesn't seem that there's anything to indicate that putting him in the middle makes it more significant than putting him first. Because, you know, I'm thinking of like in the New Testament, anytime you see a reference to Peter, James, and John, they're always in that order. And Mm -hmm. Peter was like the most significant one of the three there. So he's always mentioned first. So if, if, if divine inspiration puts the most important guy in the middle, why, why then by the time we get to the disciples in the New Testament, why does he put them first? I, I think. Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't say most important guy in the middle. It's or just the, most the one righteous, that would. I should say. Well, no, not even most righteous. Um, basically, the one who would have been uh, most at question, because Jewish people would have wouldn't have argued that Noah was righteous, Job was righteous, but Daniel, eh, he's a governmental leader. I don't know. You know, he's living in the day. Um, yeah. You know, what I mean, that could have been. Know, it t- sounds kind of thin. Um, but uh, I, I think the point is that neither one of us really really knows. <laughs> Not absolutely um, no, but I mean, I think that's a suggestion that's worth some thought. Sure, yeah, it's yeah. certainly worth some thought, yeah. But uh, you know, he asks, "Is is there any significance at all to the order?" I suppose, yeah. I just, yeah, uh, I, I, we, we don't know what it is. Not necessarily at first blush, um, but I think anytime you look at scripture, you have to say, "Well, there's a significance to the order of the words." Um, yeah, you know, because. It is God's word. You know, I just think that's, sure. that's kind of built into well, the package that he, he is, well, that he is kinda, wise and nothing is arbitrary with God. <laughs> well, that kind of brings us around then if we can, and I'm, I don't mean to be a stinker, but here's where my mind goes. Here's where mm-hmm. my mind goes. Mm-hmm. If we can look at the use of numerology and say, I don't think there's significance to it. Um, then how can we then come around to this name order and mm-hmm. insist that there's significance to it? Yeah, well, with numerology, I, I feel like it, it's not that the the. Um, yeah, I mean that's a good question, but just to to look at the numbers and say, well, is there no significance to it? Well, no, certainly there's significance sure. to know the the height of Goliath. Well, that's yeah. really helpful. Obviously, sure. the weight of his armor, uh, what pieces of armor he wore. It's now, when we was give it moral significance to the numbers? Yeah, I was think. it significant that he wore six? <laughs> Um, it was true, I mean, that he wore yeah. six, but, you know, did God have Goliath wear six because it was the number of men? Um, you know, did Goliath put on six because this was somehow flaunting authority of God? No, I just think that's right. what it was, you know? And to state, Adam was made on the sixth day. Well, sure, that's a statement of fact, and that is sure. significant because we want to know what day. But to say that because he was on the sixth day, it somehow becomes a number of man. And then we define what a number of man means. Right. Or like seven is the number of completion. Oh, really? Sure. Well, the flood stopped at 40 days, you know, yeah. or, you know, the, the tribulations over right. after 70 right. years, you know, or whatever. It's just like, well, completion in a very limited way. Like, well, it was a completion of a week. Okay, great. But yeah. now we're starting to like hyper define and restrict and rule things out so that it matches our definition. Right. They are statements of fact. I just don't think they have the significance that we want to necessarily right. use them. With. Which, which I'm calling moral significance. When we when we okay. give the yes. numbers moral significance, I think we go too far. Um, but I'm kind of thinking that maybe the same could apply here to the list of names that are given. Mm-hmm. Um, it could just be the statement of fact. 
this is how God inspired the words to be put in, in that order. It may not have moral significance. The only significance of it is that it's it's true, it's inspired, that's the order God put it in, you know? Um, yeah, I see what you're saying. You, you know what I mean? So Yeah, um, yeah, I can't. Ultimately, to yes. answer Derek's question, you know, is the list chronological? I'm going to say probably not. It is not. No, I, I, would, um, I would very much agree that Job was soon after Noah. Um, yeah, judging, I think judging there's, by... there's substantial proof for the, uh, the earliness of Job yes. um, mm-hmm. as far as these three characters goes. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Anything more to say about that? No. So, I mean, yeah, like chronologically, no, in order of righteousness, um, no, I doubt it. You know what I mean? Because the point, because his point, Ezekiel's point is, you know, if all, if, if only these three men, they'd only be delivered by their own righteousness, but it's not saying now Noah would be more delivered, <laughs> you know, than Daniel or Job, you know, Noah might save a kid, but you know, Daniel would save maybe his nephew and Job would just be saved by the skin of his teeth. It's not like, <laughs> like they're yeah. descending in order of righteousness. Or right. Something. Yeah. No, I and, wouldn't uh, do that. But anyway, so yeah, in those order, is there an order? Possibly. I uh, don't exactly know yeah. what it is. All right. Well, good. That was a good good question, Derek. Thank you for that. Yeah, that was good. Um, all right. Well, I think that probably wraps it up for episode 146. And It uh, does. It gives you a little bit of a break because we've had a couple long episodes and then we've been talking about um, the sexagetical time... <laughs> Uh, a warp of the uh, <laughs> blurs there, or whatever, and you're like, right. <laughs> you can you're like an egg on my forehead right now. <laughs> so anyway, thank you for listening. If you have any questions of your own, uh, any comments on something that we've said, uh, again, it doesn't have to be a, a quote unquote theological question. Just something about what does God think about this? How do we balance these issues in life? And you want our thoughts on it? Feel free to email us at reason together podcast at gmail.com. Yes. Well, thank you as always for being with us on this episode. We are encouraging balance, developing perspective and connecting faith to practice. This is reason together.